this series on love as we have it reflected in the Apostle Paul's letter to the first century church in Corinth. And there in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5, Paul writes, Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. This morning we are thinking about what I have called at least the problem of resentment. The problem of resentment. I call it that because I discern a problem. In the Good News translation version of Job 5 verse 2, it records, To worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. For me, one of the greatest stories dealing with this topic of resentment comes when King David was running for his life. The account is found in 2 Samuel chapters 16 through 19. You'll remember the story, many of you, I'm sure. David's son Absalom had turned against him and rounded up an army to defeat his own father. David therefore left and fled Jerusalem, and on his way out of town, Shimei, a relative of King Saul, began cursing and swearing at him, kicking up dirt in disgust. Some of David's men wanted to kill him. But David prevented them from doing so, And continued on his way. You see friends. Shemai hated. That David had become king. At the expense of Saul. That David had become king. And Saul's family. Had consequently become outcasts. And so his bitterness. And resentment against David. Continued to grow. Year after year after year. Unchecked, it seems, and now was rearing its ugly head. This story outlines several reasons why holding on to resentment doesn't work. Firstly, please note, resentment is unreasonable. When we hold on to anger, when we hold on to resentment, not only is it unreasonable, but as we see in our story, it is completely illogical. Shemai here is spewing out all his bitterness and anger, not only in David's direction, but also in the direction of David's army. Now it's one thing to take on a single man. David, but to take on an entire army also, it's just plain stupid, isn't it? And that's what Shammai, because of his resentment, is endeavoring to do. It's illogical, it's unreasonable, it's daft. But before I criticize Shemai too much, 
I consider some of the dumb things that I have done in my past because of pent-up anger and resentment. The sad thing is that when we hold on and vent our resentment, trying to get even with somebody, it never truly solves the problem. The reality is, when we try to get even with our aggressor, it only escalates the conflict. Choosing forgiveness involves weighing our need to get even against our need to move on in our lives. David could have chosen to get even. But instead, he chose to move on and was successful in doing so. When we allow resentment to take hold, we are choosing to remain where we are, locked, I believe, in a vicious cycle of hatred and bitterness and never knowing the freedom that Christ promises us. But when we choose forgiveness, we can move on in freedom with the life God has purposed for us. So for me, it's something of a no-brainer. And resentment, therefore, is unreasonable, illogical, stupid. Why do we prefer it? Secondly, resentment is unhelpful. Not only is it unreasonable, it's unhelpful. Solomon, I believe, had it right when he reflected in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9. This is the New King James Version. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. I love Solomon. He never minced his words, did he? (laughs) He always said it as it was. Anger, he says, rests in the bosom of fools. Shimei held on to his grudge. If we understand the contextual history, then he did so for some 20 years. But did holding on to that grudge help him? Well, it didn't change what had happened. Nor did it correct the supposed wrong. Instead, it made him a miserable person. And consequently, I'm sure, a pretty miserable person to be around. You see, the reality is, holding on to resentment hurts us more than the person that we are resenting. Holding on to resentment, this is a little like the uh, illustration that Laura used earlier. Holding on to resentment is like holding on to a piece of red hot coal. Hoping to throw that coal at the person who hurt us, later only to realize that we are the only ones who are getting burned. David wasn't pining away for those 20 years 
because Shemai was holding a grudge. Probably didn't even know about Shemai's grudge. And this is the same for us. The people we're holding resentment against often aren't sitting at home stewing over it. Often not even aware of it. Resentment is unhelpful. Resentment is unhealthy. I believe forgiveness is deadly. Resentment actually finally cost Shimei his life. We read of his death by the hand of King David's son Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 2. Studies confirm, my dear friends, that bitterness and hatred are dangerous emotions. They attack our bodies like no virus ever could. When we hold on to anger and bitterness, our body keeps score in some way, shape or form, and physical illness is often the result. The reality is, dear friends, it's not so much what we eat, But it's what's eating us. (laughs) Holding on to resentment is like picking a scab and letting the wound bleed and get infected. Our mind becomes like a video recorder that keeps on playing the same event over and over and over again. And instead of following God's word that teaches us to that, that love keeps no record of wrongs, we kind of laminate our hurt and we hang it on our walls so that daily we can see it. D.L. Moody once said, I quote, A great many people seem to embalm their troubles to keep them for as long as possible. He says, I always feel like running away when I see these people coming towards me. They bring out their old mummy and tell you in a sad voice, Oh, pastor, you don't know the troubles I have. My friends, he says, if you go to the Lord with your troubles, has he not promised to take them away? Would you rather, he says, be with the Lord and rid of your troubles or be with your troubles and forsake the Lord? Resentment, it's unreasonable. It's unhelpful. And it's unhealthy. Picture the scene if you can. The scene is of a courtroom trial in South Africa. A frail black woman rises slowly to her feet. She is something over 70 years of age. Facing across the room are several white security police officers, one of whom is a certain Mr. Van der Broek. 
He has just been tried and found implicated in the murders of this woman's son and her husband some years before. Van der Broek had come to the woman's home, taken her only child, her son, shot him at point-blank range, and burned the young man's body on a fire while he and his officers partied nearby. Several years later, the very same Van der Broek and his cohorts returned to the woman's home and took away her husband. For many months she heard nothing of his whereabouts. And then, almost two years later, they came back for the woman, dragged her from the home, and the hate-filled Van de Broek fetched her to see her husband. He was bound, visibly the marks of Repeated beatings were, were all over his bruised and battered body. And he was laying on a pile of wood. And they forced the woman to watch as they poured petrol over her husband and set him alight. The last words she heard from her husband's lips were, Father, forgive them. Now the elderly woman stands in the courtroom and listens to the confession offered by Van der Broek. A member of South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Commission turns to the woman and asks, Now, dear lady, what do you want? How should justice be done to this man who has so brutally destroyed your loved one? And your life. I want three things, said the woman, calmly but confidently. I want first, she says, to be taken to the place where my husband's body was burned. That I might gather up the dust and give his remains a decent burial. She paused and continued. My husband and son were my only family. I want, secondly, therefore, for Mr. Van der Broek to become my adopted son. That I would love him with the remaining love that is within my being for the rest of my life. And finally, she says, with tears welling up in her eyes. And I would ask for one final thing. I would like Mr. Vanderbrook to know that I offer him my forgiveness because Jesus Christ has forgiven me. This would have been my husband's wish also. And so she says, I would kindly ask someone in the courtroom here to come to my side and lead me across the courtroom that I might take Mr. Vanderbrook in my arms and embrace him and let him know that he is truly forgiven. As the court assistants 
came to help the elderly woman across the room. Mr. Van der Broek, overwhelmed by what he had just heard, collapsed. As he collapsed, those in the courtyard, friends, family, neighbors, all victims of decades of oppression and injustice, began to sing softly but assuredly, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Archbishop Desmond Tutu once said, no one is beyond redemption. I have over the years chatted to many folks who have taken exception to the statement of Tutu, claiming that only an extraordinary person can truly forgive. Desmond Tutu's daughter agrees with them, but says, I quote, yes. Yet we all have the capacity to be extraordinary when we are the recipients of the forgiveness of God in Christ. And so today, my friends, some of us have been extraordinary. If it was more than just mere outward expression, if it was a genuine Expression of your heart. Extraordinary. We have been party to the process of forgiveness. We have let go. And are free. Jesus said in Matthew 6.14. If you forgive men when they sin against you. Your heavenly father will forgive you. Reason enough, I would suggest, for every one of us to let go of our resentment, keeping no record of those wrongs against us. Paul exhorts the church in Ephesus, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God Forgave you. You see, friends, resentment. It's unreasonable. It's unhelpful. And it's unhealthy. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts this morning. A very simple word. We thank you for the clarity. And we are conscious, Father, that sometimes we hold on to our resentments, maybe even as a crutch, maybe as a something we can use to, to beat somebody with oh, a little later in life. We pray, if not already this morning, you will grant us the grace, those who are the recipients of grace, the recipients of forgiveness. Grant us the grace in return to forgive 
to let go of our resentment, our grudges, and to enjoy the freedom of God in Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen.